superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music and lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Continental Extreme Contact DWS 06+. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. What's going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast, brought to you by Colin Coward and his podcast network. Uh, big show today. Just breaking, literally, Aaron Rodgers' uh, historic contract. I'll, I'll dive into that. Some thoughts on just the drama that's going on right now in the NFL. Jerry Jones wants to go to an 18-game season. And Odell Beckham Jr. also got paid, which really was a no-brainer for the New York Giants. But let, let's start with Aaron Rodgers. There's kind of this narrative uh, in the media, also by NFL players, that the NFL does not pay the players, you know, like they, they don't get compensated relative to baseball and basketball. And Aaron Rodgers, who's, you know, it's weird because Tom Brady is known as the GOAT, the best quarterback of all time, but most people agree unless you live in New England, that Tom Brady is not even the best quarterback in the NFL. That's Aaron Rodgers. And I believe I was born in the mid-80s. I didn't get to like grow up on Marino and Elway. Uh, but most people that I've met over the years of working in the NFL and just covering the NFL and talking about the NFL and just talking to a lot of football guys, they'll tell you that those two guys, pure talent. I mean, most people will tell you that Marino just throwing the ball. There's never been anything like him. And Elway was kind of the total package. Better athlete than Marino. Also had a hose. Resumes much stronger in terms of winning. It's not all Marino's fault. But my point is, like to me, Aaron Rodgers is that version of Marino and Elway kind of combined. He's not Elway because he's only won one Super Bowl and only been to one. Uh, But he's not Marino because he did win. But ultimately, my point is, that everyone views like the NBA, LeBron James, Steph Curry, they get $200 million. Yeah, the NFL quarterbacks get taken care of like NBA superstars. The difference between the NBA and the NFL when it comes to big, big cash is the NBA overpays the middle class. Uh, Rookies get paid in the NFL. If you're a first rounder, you get a guaranteed four-year deal. If you are a first rounder in the NFL, every penny is guaranteed. Uh, and you also, it's not a great deal because you have this fifth-year option. While it does pay a lot, if you do hit and become a player like Khalil Mack, you know, it it hurts your wiggle room. You're actually better off being a second-round pick because you hit free agency earlier. But my, my point here is that the top quarterbacks, remember four or five years ago, Drew Brees just got this stupid contract. It was like $40 million in the first 18 months. Schefter reported that Aaron Rodgers will get $80 million by March. Let me repeat that. $80 million by March. Like NBA contracts or even baseball contracts, 
they may get $150 million, but it's over six or seven years. Uh, Jeff Samarja, one of the most overpaid players in baseball, probably should have played the NFL. Now, he made more money because he played baseball, but he's not a very good baseball player. Got $90 million. But it was over five years. You look at Aaron Rodgers, the, the way these escrow accounts work, you when you guarantee the money, and I don't think most people realize this, Charles Robinson wrote something this week on, on Yahoo about Khalil's contract, is that you have to have, if you're guaranteeing them the money, you have to have that money at the time of the signing. That's why Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald have been kind of complicated. Somehow the Packers that are owned by just the people have $80 million to put in an escrow account that Aaron Rodgers is going to receive. We're in the middle of August by March. $80 million. Do you know know what should happen right now? America. All of us as the United States of America should send Aaron Rodgers a thank you note because of the tax bill he's about to incur on that $80 million. Like you don't actually get $80 million. You know, you probably get $45. Uh, but that's $35 million going to taxes. But ultimately, my point is, people love to bang on the NFL that the owners are pocketing all the money. Do people realize how business works? The owners always make more than the employees, even the most important employees. But that doesn't mean people aren't getting broken off left and right. Star players in the NFL have always been taken care of. Since free agency began starting with Reggie White, now to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Now, you may get nickel and dimed being a non-quarterback, but if you're good enough, like Khalil Mack, whether the Raiders end up paying Khalil or not, he's going to get paid. There are 10 teams tomorrow that would trade for Khalil Mack and extend him immediately for $70-plus million guaranteed. Aaron Rodgers just had a historic amount of money come his way by a team that doesn't even have an owner. So this notion that like the NFL financially doesn't take care of their players is false. It doesn't take care of really the middle class, again, relatively speaking. And it's a big reason why the NFL is so successful. You don't get stuck on average players. In the NBA or Major League Baseball, the San Francisco Giants are just stuck with Jeff Samarja. In the NBA, or I mean in the NFL, that would never happen. You just get rid of the guy. The 49ers a couple years ago extended Navarro Bowman, who for a period of time looked like he was going to be better than Patrick Willis. And I thought, I guess it would have been 2013, he was the best defensive season for a linebacker like I'd ever seen, besides maybe Ray Lewis. Again, in my lifetime, I haven't seen them all. I, I was one years old when Mike Singletary was, was balling for the Chicago Bears. And the 49ers got rid of him last year. They cut him in the middle of the season. Like, you can't do that in the other two sports. That's why the sport of the NFL is so healthy. They don't get stuck with bad play. They only sign the stars. And they're forced to kind of sign your first-round rookie to a lot of money. But other than that, you have a ton of wiggle room. At worst, when you do overpay a free agent, because that's what you have to do in the NFL when a guy hits free agency, there's a reason everyone's like, oh my God, Sammy Watkins, $16 million a year. Well, yeah, he had a market. There's supply and demand. He was, you know, one of, if not the most talented wide receiver on the market. There were people lined up to sign him. Jarek McKinnon. I didn't like the signing for the San Francisco 49ers, but I got it. I understood why he got overpaid. If you hit free agency, there's a market. That's, that's the way business works. There's multiple people bidding on you. I, I know the WNBA players are all up in arms that they're underpaid. Listen, you, you don't get paid what you deserve. You get paid what you negotiate. And these NFL players, the stars, and this is why a strike and labor issues are always tough in the NFL. Like Aaron Rodgers, let's say the next CBA, I think it's in like three years, but let's just hypothetically say it was next year. Why would Aaron Rodgers strike? You know, why would he Why would he sit out games? Like let's say all the NFL players were going to, we're going to galvanize and get together and say, we will not sign the CBA until we get what we deserve. Why, Aaron, why would Aaron Rodgers do Why would Jimmy Garoppolo do that? The Stars net, the stars have nothing in common with the middle to lower class in the league. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers getting $80 million. $80 million by March. So whenever you're reading, and media loves to tell you this, that, you know, CTE's taking over the world. I saw John Lynch, I think, told Colin Coward last time he was on, and he's the hardest hitter I, I think I've ever seen. 
He never had a concussion. But the, the media loves to tell you that the NFL is not paying his players. That, that's just false. That They're paying the stars. Aaron Rodgers matters. Do you know who doesn't? Clay Matthews, Randall Cobb, all the other starters on the Packers. Maybe Devontae Adams really matters for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers carries the franchise. He deserves every penny. He's the LeBron James, Steph Curry of the league. And he deserves to get paid. If you're, you know, when you pay, like Kirk Cousins, we'll see. I, I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a big year. But you could argue that paying Kirk Cousins $86 million guaranteed is like paying John Wall $170 million. It's pretty risky. It might work, but it also might not. But paying Aaron Rodgers, no-brainer. Paying Jimmy Garoppolo, no-brainer. Hell, paying Derek Carr, no-brainer. Paying Marcus Mariota, you know, we'll see. But he's going to get paid. Quarterbacks get paid, just like NBA superstars. They are the royalty in the NFL. The NFL just had the ultimate NFL-type week. Remember back in the day, ESPN had the show Playmakers, and it was like guys doing cocaine and mistresses and dead bodies, and the NFL got really, really mad at ESPN. They said it was too, you know, over-dramatized. And ESPN cut the show, even though I I remember being in college. The show was awesome. Now Ballers, you know, it's kind of Playmakers-ish, but it's got the rock. It's it's not quite as crazy. Uh, But one thing we've learned in 2018, looking back on Playmakers, and if you've watched Ballers, to know that there is not a scenario or a, you know, a Hollywood script that you could write that might not be potentially true for the NFL. It's what I would say the NFL does better than the other two leagues is just crazy shit happens. And it just kind of happens organically. I woke up this morning. I I just talked about the Aaron Rodgers story, which is the biggest story of the day. But the craziest story of the day, the Michael Kendricks, actually from Fresno, California, went to Cal Berkeley, drafted by the Eagles, has been in a legal battle for the last four years on insider trading. Insider trading. Like Martha Stewart, Bernie Madoff level insider trading. He took $80,000 and flipped it into $1.2 million in like a span of four months. And he tweeted this morning, he, he basically admitted to guilt. He did it. And I, I don't think you can make that. You could playmakers, ballers, could write that in a show and people, you know, 10 years ago would have been like, oh, that's too crazy. I, no. I, at first you read it and you're like, damn, Michael Kendricks, who, it turns out he had a buddy that like went to Harvard, works in Wall Street, gave him a tip. And I mean, it could have happened to any of us. I, it can't happen to me because I do not have any friends that went to Harvard or that run publicly traded companies. But that's not even really, that story disappears in like, I don't know, 30 minutes? Because then Rodgers signed for $100 million. The story two days ago was Tom Brady about his crazy trainer that says, you know, if you drink enough water, you won't get sunburned. Now, whatever he's selling to Tom and TB12 is clearly working because Tom's 41 and still playing in the league, hung up on his weekly radio show. Do you know what's crazy? Has it been someone that worked in local radio? That Tom Brady actually does a radio show. Because clearly he's not doing it for the money. Even if they're paying him an astronomical amount of money. Let's just say, I don't know, $50,000 a hit or something. Maybe he can sell the sponsors. I I don't know. But he just does not need the money. So he's just going on it for, I know Coward believes, is to spread the message of the team. There's probably a lot of theories out there why he does it. Maybe he just likes doing it. uh, Because he also does one on NFL uh, radio on Monday Night Football at halftime with Jim Gray. Maybe Tom Brady's just got a soft spot for radio, and if he does, I appreciate that. But Tom Brady hung up on the the show that he's been going on now for like, I don't know, 15 years because they kept peppering him about Alex Guerrero, which is kind of a crazy story because last year Belichick supposedly, allegedly, kicked him out of the building, didn't allow him to fly on planes. He was working with a bunch of their other teammates. Again, This is the type script that you would write in Ballers or Playmakers. Like Alex Guerrero 
is a character that you would create in that show. A player for a team that's actually on Hard Knocks, which I can't wait for, got nailed for insider trading. That is pretty crazy, but that is the NFL. The NFL, like baseball is the complete opposite. Nothing ever happens. The same things happen over and over and over again. It's why the millennial generation is dropping off baseball like a bad habit because it's just very boring and nothing really fun happens. And when I say fun, like the insider trading off for Michael Kendricks, it's not fun. As someone that talks about the NFL and tweets about the NFL and interacts with fans about the NFL, it's kind of fun. You know, stories like that are entertaining. And ultimately, the NFL is an entertainment business. And they just organically create the craziest things I think we've ever seen. Some of them are terrible, right? Some of the legal things that we've seen from Ray Rice to what potentially looked like was going to happen to Reuben Foster. Just think about this offseason. Reuben Foster was indicted by a district attorney in Santa Clara for beating, threatening his girlfriend. It turns out, again, this is a story and a and you know a couple episodes that would fit perfectly in ballers or playmakers. It turns out she made up the whole thing. She even made up little things like he kicked the dog, which she said it actually wasn't true. He did not kick the dog, let alone beat her up. Now, it did turn out he had loaded weapons, and I think he had to pay a fine and plead it down to a misdemeanor. But then to insider tra- it's capped off. The season's about to start. Went from that to insider trading. This is the NFL in a nutshell. I, I mean, in a three-day span, I've had the number one player in the league, uh, number one or two, hang up on his local radio show because he's about, asking about his sketchy trainer. Then probably the best player in the league signs for a historic amount of money. Then another player is indicted on insider trading. Uh, arguably the best pass rusher in the NFL is in like a legit holdout power struggle, according to Mike Freeman, a Bleacher Report, with John Gruden over because he wants a lot of money. It looks like Aaron Donald, the other best pass rusher in the league, is about to sign. It's just wild. You can't make the NFL up. And as someone that likes this stuff, I do enjoy it. Now, I do really enjoy the football aspect, the games, talking about the chess match of a given week, getting ready for an opponent, who's going to play, who's not going to play, the matchups. I like all that stuff too. Gambling on the sport I like. But I also very, very entertained. I'm easily entertained. You know, I, I was a sucker for Us Magazine and People Magazine. I, I like that stuff. You know, and, and one thing's clear. You guys do too. You know, and that's why when insider trading, when, when that headline comes across my Twitter, I do a double take. And if maybe if this was five, ten years ago, it's like, this is not even believable. I, I walked away this morning and like, God, it's not even that crazy. You know, just pay a fine and move on. I mean, he made $1.2 million, turned $80,000 into $1.2 million in five months. Michael Kendricks has much smarter friends than me because I don't know anyone at Harvard, but thank God for the NFL drama because uh, up until these games that are about to be played, and thank God they're right around the corner, it, it keeps us pretty entertained. Let's get to the NFL. It, it sure feels like this has been talked about for a long time, de- definitely the last four or five years. And I would say more than ever after this preseason. Now, in fairness to the preseason, which it feels like has been historically terrible, and preseasons are, I would say, consistently awful. Saturday, I, I know Michelle Beadle uh, said on Get Up, her the show that she used to be on and then got demoted or kicked off or left or whatever, that she refuses to watch football. I, for anyone that probably listened to this show, you also take the opposite approach. I watch a lot of football, and I I can't wait for Saturday. I I plan on not moving off my couch from basically sunup till sundown. We got football all day. But last Saturday, the third preseason games, the NFL Network did a good job. uh, Starting on the West Coast, I think it was like 9.30 or 10, the Bears played the Chiefs. And then up until about 9 o'clock at night with the Chargers, playing the Saints, we had football all day. And because it was a third preseason game, a lot of the starters played. Now, most of the NFL, and even some of the teams like Matt Nagy against Andy Reid, Matt Nagy sat all of the starters. 
I, I do think we're at the point now where the NFL has to do something about the preseason because a lot of teams, Sean McVay, Matt Nagy, they haven't played any of their starters. And we know, and I say this all the time, people bitch and moan that fans are furious about because they pay for the preseason games like their normal games, same price point. I, I do think if you're a longtime season ticket holder, it's just one of the built-in costs that you know you buy the preseason. to You basically pay the extra for the preseason because you get the eight home games. You know, well, unless you're a Raider fan, then you only get seven because they're always playing internationally. But you catch my drift. And I think they've realized that a couple things. When 70, 60s, 70s, 80s, hell, even the 90s, I think, a lot of guys used training camp to get in shape. They didn't really work out in the offseason. That has clearly completely changed. Guys work out 365, personal trainers, treat their body like a temple. Not saying that when they show up July 25th, they are ready to play a football game, but they are much closer to being ready in 2018 than they were in 1991. You know, guys are, they just have to get their legs under them, have to get used to hitting. But I I don't think training camp serves the same purpose as it once did to get in shape because these guys for the most part, now I would imagine linemen need camp much more than a skill guy. I remember in Philadelphia, like Deshaun Jackson's got to run his conditioning test. That'll be a challenge. You know, he could do that with his eyes closed. This the skill guys, they're in shape. Now again, football shape, you need time. I'm not saying that training camp does not matter, and any coaches listening to this would probably throw up in their mouth. But I think they would also acknowledge that the training camp having been a part of the pre-CBA training camp back when double days existed and then saw what they've become the last 10 years, gone to it when I worked for a team and then in the media going to these practices, they're pretty terrible. Uh, Nothing happens at an NFL practice anymore unless you joint practice. And some coaches, I I know Coach Reed in Kansas City, and he did it when I was in Philadelphia, even with the new rules, runs a pretty physical practice. Uh, Jack Del Rio the last couple years did not run a very physical practice. Kyle Shanahan doesn't run a physical practice. It's much more tempo. You know, John Gruden, I, I think, is kind of hit or miss. They have periods in which they get physical. But overall, there's not much physicality. You get your physicality through joint practices or the preseason games. It's why some coaches, you know, Andy had Pat Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and, and Kelsey in the game in the third quarter on Saturday. And Kyle Shanahan, he, he played Jimmy Garoppolo for basically the entire first half. John, John Gruden yanked Derek Carr out after about two series the other night. Sean McVay and Matt Nagy don't even play their young quarterbacks or the majority of their young core guys. And I think Jerry Jones, who's kind of been beating this drum forever, people say they, I hate Thursday night football. It's like one of the highest rated shows of the year. You know, it's one of the most bet games every single week. Thursday night football is now becoming a staple in America. Remember Thursday before Thursday night football, like college football used to be big? There'd be a big college football game. College football has basically become irrelevant on Thursday night. Do you know who owns Thursday night? The National Football League. So if you're the NFL and you realize, we own Thursday, we own Monday, Sunday's always been our day, why wouldn't we just expand this thing? Because the preseason, which we kind of own too, because football, once it starts back up, starting about August 1st, the NFL owns the sporting landscape up until the Super Bowl. Because basketball free agent free agency is completely over. Major League Baseball, they, they call the month of August the dog days of summer. So their, their own sport is tired of the sport. And football just takes ownership. Even, even golf realized... You know, we should probably move the PGA Championship till after the Masters. Why? Because we don't want to go up against football. That, that's, that was their mindset. Golf changed their major schedule. Their major schedule. Again, Tiger was in the mix in the PGA Championship. It did a massive television rating. And golf realized, you know, it's not worth it being around football season. Let's, let's move it to uh, late May. And I think Jerry Jones realizes... Let's cut a couple of these preseason games. You also, as NFL players, you get paid for games. I don't think most people realize, like if you're on a salary, you get paid 52 weeks of the year, right? Every couple weeks, you get a check, direct deposit. I think most people in 2018 get a direct deposit. In the NFL, 
majority of players get 17 checks. So if you make a million dollars, divide that bad boy by 17. If you're Aaron Rodgers and you make 50 million or whatever the hell he's making, divide that thing by 17. You get paid over the season. So you get a if you're if you're making a lot, you get a lot of money in a three and a half, four month span. Guy the big money guys lose money in the playoffs. That's the irony of the I've always thought it's crazy, just playoffs in general. Same with the NBA. Like LeBron James, you know, making Steph Curry making $35 million a year. Well, that money, they, they get paid from the start of the regular season to the end of the regular season. Once the playoffs start, they get the same amount of money as the 12th guy on their roster, yet they take it much more seriously, and it's always been that way. Same with football. You know, in football, everyone gets a playoff share, coaches included. You make way more money as a player during the regular season than you do the playoffs, yet you take the playoffs so much more seriously. It's so much more important. So many, so many more of us watch. So many more of us, so much more on the line. It, it's pretty crazy economic strategy. Now, big picture, if you, I've always said this, if you win in the playoffs, whether it's the NFL, the NBA, Major League Bet, whatever, any sport, golf majors, it's more important for your your ability to earn money over your lifetime. Uh, and I think a lot of players realize it. And it's just, at the end of the day, you play a sport, you start playing these sports when your kids, you just say the word playoffs, it, it means more. And I, I think Jerry Jones, who is a businessman first, first and foremost, it's just come to the realization, like, what what are we doing in the preseason? This is so terrible. Two weeks ago, I was at my brother's wedding, and I flip on the television. It's Rams Raiders. I'm like, oh, I got a couple hours before I have to get ready. Uh, it already been a long day. I played some golf that morning. I was like, I'm going to lay on the lay in the bed here and watch the first quarter of the game. Then it gets announced before the first snap of the game that one starter, not for one team or the other team, total between McVay and Gruden were, was playing in the game. Now, granted, they were they're going to play Week One on the second Monday Night Football game. I said this is the most pointless. What are we doing here? Wouldn't they get more out of it if they just practiced? It's just stupid. And again, I think most fans understand that when they buy the season tickets. That you just got to pay for the preseason. You probably, I, I would imagine the average season ticket holder does not go to a preseason game. They give those tickets away. They pay for the eight regular season games. And then if you're a season ticket holder of a good team, the right to buy playoff tickets. That's what you do. That's it's part of the package. But, you know, Jerry, and I think I would imagine a lot of these NFL owners, and the players should get on board with this too because they will make more money. These preseason games, whether you're playing or not, you're not getting paid for it. Nowhere near what you make during the regular season. You get the everyone gets the same amount of per diem, you know, whatever the preseason pay is. Why wouldn't you? Like everyone's freaking out. Like the health of the players. They they say that they say they put safety first. Yeah, they have put safety first. You guys watch the games. You watch the way they're officiating the hits. It's clear the NFL has put safety first. That's not even arguable anymore. If anything, they've gone over the top on safety. It kind of pisses me off because I like the John Lynch's, the Steve Atwaters, the Ronnie Lots of the world. Like I, I grew up on hard hits. Like I, I enjoy a good hard hit. I, I still do. But the NFL doesn't. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think they, they mind. They just don't want to pay for it. And Jerry's like, well, we might as well get paid because the preseason is a waste. We're losing players anyway. Guys are getting hurt in preseason games. When Marquise Lee just shattered his knee. Uh, we might as well play regular season games. I, I think the 18-game schedule is not only a good idea, I, I think it's now inevitable, and I, I think it'll be awesome. You know, and, and everyone, it's like everyone complained about, like I said, Thursday night football. We love Thursday night football. And people can bitch and moan about it all all you want. I, I see the t- television ratings. I, I know how many people gamble on the sport. Thursday night football is huge for business. 18-game schedule is going to be good for business. Okay, let's get to the Middlecoff mailbag. I got a ton of questions. You can always leave a question in in iTunes. Just go rate, review, and in the review section, leave a question. I got a ton. You can also, in my Instagram DMs, I got a bunch of questions as well. Uh, I'm going to try to go rapid fire here today. Sometimes I, I go a little long, and I'm only able to get through like three or four questions. But I think today... Let me bring up my Instagram questions. I'll try to go. I'll try to go quick. 
because I, I just checked on iTunes and I got a bunch. So let's go quick. I, I, I'm going to start really quick with my own question because this weekend, the final, every team plays on Thursday. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday is the biggest turnover in the NFL throughout the season. It's when, you know, the cuts now go from 90 to 53. So you, you do the math. I, what is that? 37 players on each team. Is that 37 players? Yeah, 37 players, you know, on, on every team are, are going to be released. And it's really when some of the best GMs and the best run organizations take advantage. It's why, you know, specific teams have certain needs, whether you need a backup corner, whether you need a backup wide receiver, you need a swing offensive lineman. You're not going to find starters, but you can find guys, you can claim guys. Now, when a guy gets cut, if you claim them, that means then you have to cut someone off your roster. So just because you make the initial 53, like let's say the Browns, for example, their 53 will be set, I think it's Saturday at 1 o'clock or whenever the official time is. Well, in the next 24 hours, because they're picking number one, the waiver claim is based on the previous year's draft. So they're number one. I remember, I think when John Dorsey and Andy Reid first got to Kansas City, they claimed like eight guys. Remember, they had the number one overall pick. That was the year they took Eric Fisher. I remember back in the day when Seattle and the San Francisco 49ers were really humming. Uh, it was so hard to make their roster. They would each cut, you know, obviously just they would have the cuts. And like five, six, seven guys from their team would get claimed. So the really good teams cut NFL players. And it, it's a crazy time. I, I've been the, the Turk, you know, been the guy that picks up their playbook. I would imagine 2018 it's more of an iPad and it's just, you know, a lot of guys, there is a there is a larger percentage, I think, nowadays because of the expanded roster of guys that really have no business in the NFL. And I say that with all due respect to them. A lot of those guys played at big-time colleges. But there's a big difference between being an average NFL prospect and making a team. But there are guys on every roster right now that if you're listening to this on Thursday that are playing tonight – you know, for kind of their livelihoods and their opportunity to make the team. Now, if you're a rookie undrafted free agent, you may land on a practice squad in the NFL. Guys get hurt. You end up coming up. So your career is just, it's a fluid situation, right? Your, your career doesn't end just because you don't make the 53. But some of these guys will be, you know, doing other jobs within the next calendar year. Other guys just have a tougher road. You know, not, not everyone's a star right away. Uh, some rookies, I, I think teams have realized that maybe they missed on a rookie, you know, a fourth, fifth, sixth rounder. That's always eye-opening when you, you have to cut a fifth rounder, a fourth rounder. Usually, I would say definitely the first rounder is not getting cut. And if you look at this draft, most of the first rounders are starting for their respective team. Second rounders are a lock to make the team. And I would say maybe every other year a third rounder gets cut. It's very, it's not very often. But I, fourth round and on... You know, everything's on the table. So I, I love this time of year, just seeing all the names that get cut. Some older veterans, you know, that have been passed by young players. Sometimes an undrafted free agent comes in and, and is just better or equal to a guy making like $9 million. Well, the NFL, like we always say on this show, ain't Major League Baseball or the NBA. You can get out of the contract. You can just cut them. And that's why so many undrafted free agents, that's the best part to me about the NFL uh, just from a, a geeky, you know, league standpoint, if we're really geeking out talking about the league, is just the opportunity for guys that do not get drafted to make the NFL. If you don't get drafted in the NBA, more than likely you're never playing in the NBA, right? If you don't get drafted in baseball, that's a problem because they have like 80 rounds. I think they literally have like 50. In football, I mean, undrafted free agents become solid players all the time. They might not become stars or super high-paid you know, paid players, but they definitely become solid starters. So just just keep an eye on that and just know just because whatever team is your favorite team, a guy makes a roster does not mean that he's a lock to be on your team the that week, let alone the, the next day if your team claims someone. Okay, love the show. As far as overrated players go, I can never figure out how – uh, if his locks have coaches and GMs mystified, 
Okay, I, don't, I think I read that wrong. Clay Matthews been able to stay and be paid well on the Green Bay Packers when he hasn't really done much in the last three years. I agree. To me, Clay Matthews, when I first got in the NFL in 2010, that was the year the Green Bay Packers won the uh, Super Bowl. He knocked out Kevin Cobb. He, he he was awesome. Like 2010, 2011, 2012, he was sweet. But Clay Matthews has been a shell of himself the last several years. He's not a great pass rusher. Uh, he can't play any other position beside coming off the edge. He's too stiff to play in the middle. I, I don't really know what he brings to the table. If you're listening to this, I, I don't I have to look up his contract situation, but is he a lock to make the team uh, just because he's Clay Matthews? I He's he's living off name much more than he's living off ability because he's given them nothing. Uh, he's a guy that if I'm an offensive coordinator, I isolate. I want to go after him, and I, he definitely doesn't scare me rushing the passer. What are your overall feelings on football in the state of Arizona? New coaches, plenty plenty of returning uh, returning players. U of A with a great quarterback. I think he's a great running quarterback, Khalil Tate. Can he throw the ball to me is the major question. Because uh, I was a big fan of Khalil Tate, like everyone was, when he started running for like 300 yards a game. And then I remember, I think it was the SC game, you're like, God, he, he just has to throw the football better. Now, you can get away with it in college, unlike the NFL, just being basically a runner. That's all you do is run. But eventually, for the University of Arizona, the difference between winning seven games and ten games He's going to have to have a couple games where he throws for 300 yards. Or hell, I mean 250 yards. And I'm not just talking about a couple deep bombs. Like, you know, consistently hit some intermediate to short throws. You know, some just slants, some deep outs. Like, you have to do that to win. And that's, especially at a school that, you know, probably doesn't have the talent as a lot of teams in their conference like USC or UCLA or Stanford or Washington or Oregon. So he... To me, he's got to take a big step throwing the ball, but he is very talented. And ASU, I'll say one thing about ASU. Uh, Manny Wilkins, their their starting quarterback, is pretty intriguing, but the wide receiver they have is an absolute monster. I, I would say by midseason, he will be one of the most talked about players in the country. Uh, I forget his name right now, but he was at the Pac-12 Media Days, and he was on the set. And he was being interviewed, and I, I didn't really know who he was. And I just thought, like, oh, Perm brought his quarterback and his defensive end. It was his wide receiver. I'm telling you, this guy looks like 6'3", 6'4". He's, I mean, he looks like he's 250 pounds. He's just chiseled. Uh, I, I think he's going to end up being a first-round pick if he has a big year. You just keep an eye on Arizona State. I, I'm, I'm buying what Herm Edwards is selling. I think Arizona State is actually going to be better than the University of Arizona this year. I kind of like Arizona State as a sleeper to win like nine, ten games. I, I, I think they're gonna, they're really gonna creep up on some people. Two questions: Is Georgia gonna become the next Alabama, as Georgia's fans like to claim? And will you increase the frequency of the podcast when the season starts? Uh, time will tell on that one. Maybe. I mean, it's the great part is I can release one of these podcasts whenever. Uh, the the Georgia becoming the next Alabama. I I mean, to me, Nick Saban is just a once-in-a-generation. Kirby Smart looks like he's going to be Saban's best assistant coach to leave the nest. But Georgia's always got talent. They won a lot with Mark Richt. To think you become the – Alabama is the next – Alabama is the only next Alabama. There, there aren't – dynasties like Saban happen once a generation. You know, Bobby Bowden for 14 straight years, every year Florida State ended the season in the top five. I think Alabama now has a stretch where it's got to be like eight, nine years. To me, there is no next Alabama. There's just the next, whether it'll be maybe USC when they land a sweet coach or even Clemson. Because I I got news for you. When Saban retires in the next two or three years, is Dabo Sweeney going to go to Alabama? I mean, seriously. That's where he went to school. You'd have to say that's in play. Uh, Now, Clemson... To me, Clemson would be more likely to be the next Alabama than Georgia uh, because I think Dabo's that special. To me, the only thing that would hold Clemson back is if Saban does retire and Alabama offers Dabo Sweeney, you know, Jimbo Fisher money. So I I would say no on Georgia, though I think they're really good and they're clearly going to be a big force in the SEC for years to come. But 
as most SEC fans, and I would imagine you're one because you're asking the question, they've been a force. You know, now they've they haven't ever gotten over the hill. Uh, and even when I say over the hill, I don't mean winning championships, but like last year they got over the hill. I mean they got to the national championship game. Hell, they were winning going into the second half of the national championship game. But they've had they had really good teams under Mark Rick. So I I don't know. We'll see. Now someone did text me. A buddy of mine in that scouts the SEC, this is back to Clemson, said that true freshman quarterback they have is the real deal. So, again, I, I would imagine Clemson would be more likely to be the next Alabama than Georgia would be. Hey, man, really enjoying the pod every week. Truly one of my favorite listens. Appreciate it. Was looking back at 2016 draft and was shocked at how good the top five was. In addition to two franchise quarterbacks – of whom looks slightly better than the other, uh, Wentz probably better than Goff, the top five rounded out in order, Joey Bosa, Zeke Elliott, Jalen Ramsey. My question is to you, knowing what we know now, if you had to choose only one of the three position players, Bosa, Zeke, or Ramsey, which one you going with? Thanks, and hope to hear the answer on the pod. That is a pretty tough question. I, I think you'd have to, though you could make the argument Zeke, is the best of that just elite group of three guys. You'd have to put him last because he does play running back. Then to me, the argument is Ramsey and Bosa. I think the hard part about this is 10 years ago, if you give me, you know, the best cornerback in the league, you just, that was really important. It feels now though, with the rules being, you know, so offensive oriented it's so hard to play defensive back. The one area on the football field where you can still be really physical, where you can still hit and still dominate from a physical standpoint is the defensive line. It's why Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald, I mean, when it's all said and done, are probably going to get, I don't know, $150 million guaranteed combined. So I, I, I'd probably go Joey Bosa. Anyone that's followed me for a while knows, I listen, I, I didn't think Joey Bosa was, I thought he was a first rounder for sure, but top 10 was a pretty bold. When they drafted him three overall, I thought that was crazy. Well, it turns out he's an absolute unblockable stud. So I, I'd probably go Bosa over Ramsey, though I like everything Ramsey's selling. I love his attitude. I love his edge. I love his swag. I love his versatility. Uh, I don't think you could really go wrong. To me, for this argument, I think you'd ha- Zeke is not really in the conversation just because he plays running back. That being said, here, here's the craziest part about this whole conversation. I think the Cowboys are going to be good this year, and I think Zeke might win the MVP. And I would still take, if you had to redo it, Bosa and Ramsey over him. Now, obviously the Cowboys couldn't have taken Bosa, and maybe they would have, but I doubt it. But I think the argument from Cowboy fans is how much better they would be with Jalen Ramsey, with Zeke. You know, I, I think they made the right choice. I think it worked out perfectly for all, all the parties. It really is. I mean, Wentz, Goff, Bosa, Zeke, Ramsey. That doesn't get much better than that. Okay, I'm going to Insta now. Uh, if the rumors around Vegas about Khalil Mack being more likely to play for the Packers are true... New GM Gudikins can pull off this trade with his buddy Reggie McKenzie. Wouldn't that, in addition to the other offseason changes, bringing back Feldman, getting Mike Pettin, getting younger upstairs, uh, getting us improving a secondary with two corners, getting Jimmy Graham, Mercedes and Mo Wilkerson, make Tony Romo write about the Packers being the team favorite to win the Super Bowl? I think Brian Gudikins, I, I didn't know much about this guy beside, I think the first I'd really ever heard of him was last year when he interviewed for the 49ers GM spot. This guy's good. This guy's really dynamic. As I'm recording this, it, it's I, I'd be shocked if Khalil Mack is traded uh, because the Packers could offer a lot. I mean, they have two first-round picks, but I, I do think it'd be hard for the Raiders even if you got, let's say the Packers gave him three first-rounders, two this year and then one next year. What does that do good for the Raiders right now? The Packers would do that, I think. Definitely they'd give up the two for him. If the Packers were to get Khalil Mack, to me they'd be the heavy favorites to win in the NFC, and the NFC is loaded. Without Khalil Mack, I I just view them much like a basketball team, uh, kind of like, 
not quite like the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron because their, their team, like you said, is a lot better. Their young secondary looks good. I think Devontae Adams is a legit superstar in this league. A little biased. I'm a Fresno State guy, but he's a stud, and, and he's really come into his own. But as you saw last year, and most teams are like this, let's call it what it is, they are so dependent on Aaron Rodgers that when he goes down, they're just screwed. Now, their defense is a lot better. Mike Pedden is just a huge upgrade over Dom Capers, what they have. Their personnel on defense in the secondary is a lot better. Those young corners with ha-ha, that's solid. Just do they have a good enough pass rush? Uh, They are pretty dependent. It looks like they might trade Randall Cobb. Hell, they might cut him. You know, is who who are going to be the receivers beside Devontae? Now, Jimmy Graham's going to help a lot. People love to crush Jimmy Graham that he won't block. I know this. How many touchdowns did he have last year for Russell Wilson? Did he have 10? You know, so if you're giving me – I don't care if you're not blocking. If you're giving me 10 touchdowns, and he's obviously one of the best red zone targets in the NFL, you have a lot of value. So I, I'm with you. To me, the Packers, I don't expect them to get Khalil Mack. But even without him, I think they're, you know, arguably one of the heavy favorites to uh, to represent the NFC in uh, in Atlanta. Okay, here's last question. My Chicago Bears have been painful to watch for nearly a decade, and we don't seem to have an identity. We don't do offense, we don't do defense, and we especially don't do special teams well. Jordan Howard, guys, negative comment here. Jordan Howard uh, is our only real bright spot. What do my monsters of the midway need to do to return to football relevancy? I really think they started perfectly this offseason by hiring my guy Matt Nagy. That's just a hell of a hire. And I know it's a preseason game, but the offense is going to be so much more explosive. And Mitch didn't play. To me, their defense is going to be top 6-7 in the NFL. They have easily one of the best defensive coordinators. I know guys on the staff that will tell you Vic Fangio is as smart as anyone in the NFL. And people around the NFL know it. I mean, Vic Fangio is big time. That defense is going to be really, really solid. Roquan Smith hasn't even started playing. He was my favorite player in the draft. I mean, Roquan Smith in 2018 is an absolute difference maker. That's exactly the type of guy you need. So Vic Fangio will get him going, and they'll play big-time defense. Offensively, to me, it kind of hinges on Mitch Trubisky because I know this. From a schematic standpoint, Matt Nagy's going to be dynamic as a play caller. They have such an improved skill position. Allen Robinson. Kevin White actually looks pretty good. Like you said, Jordan Howard is solid. Trey Burton. They, they are going to be solid. It just is Mitch Trubisky good. I like Mitch Trubisky coming out in the draft. Did I like him number two overall? No. Did I think he was a first rounder? 100%. Would he have been a top 10 pick if he had returned to school and had another solid year? Yes. He would have. He was athletic and he was accurate. But I, I just think there's a great unknown with Mitch. He was only a one-year college starter. The team last year was so terrible on offense, it's hard to even judge him. Uh, I, I don't feel confident one way or the other. I, I don't think he's bad because I, I definitely like him coming out. And I, the head coach believes in him. The offensive staff believes in him. Their coaching staff is just really good. I think the Bears could be one of the sleeper playoff teams in the NFL if Mitch is just solid. And I don't know if he's going to be solid. Like, can I just turn on Sunday Night Football week one against the Packers? And is he throwing three touchdowns or is he throwing three picks? We just don't know. I think he's one of the great wild cards in the NFL. What am I getting with Mitch Trubisky? Because I know what I'm getting with Matt Nagy. I'm getting a dynamic play caller. I know what I'm getting with Vic Fangio, a physical defense that's just going to be good. Right? I, 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 I'm watching their special teams. I... I don't know much about their special teams coach, but watching that preseason game on Thursday or on Saturday, he was going apeshit. I, I liked his energy. So I, I they're they're a big time wild card this year just because of their quarterback. And I don't think anyone knows exactly how to judge them. But I will say this: you look two years ago. I'm a Barry guy. I'm a big Jared Goff guy. But it looked like after one season, Jared Goff was the worst player in NFL history. Sean McVay shows up. Now everyone's talking like, how much are they going to pay Jared Goff? Hopefully Mitch Trubisky's like that. And if he is, and I think Mitch has similar talents to Jared. He's actually a better athlete. Jared probably has a little bit better of an arm, uh, a little taller. But if Goff, if Trubisky can bounce back in a second year, 
with an offensive coach, much better players around him. Why couldn't he have a golf like season? Now I don't think the Ram or the Bears are as good as the Rams, but I, I definitely could see them I, I mean, I think crazier things have happened than the Bears winning ten games this year. And I, I definitely think that's on the table. So I listen, I, I am I used to say unofficial. I'm officially I'm a Bears fan. I'm rooting for the Chicago Bears. I just the quarterback to me, man, is the big question. And if you're trying to be optimistic and you're trying to be hopeful, you just hope he's on the Jared Goff path. Rookie year, terrible, but he had a terrible head coach. Second year, gets a young offensive guy, bunch of new pieces around him, bounces back. Veteran defensive coordinator, team is just really solid. I keep I, I like the Bears this year. Okay, that, that, that'll do it for the three and out podcast on the Colin Coward Podcast Network. Talking football. Football is officially back. Next time I talk will be the start of the regular season. See you next week. Adios. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.